Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Marin. She's a spicy woman. I'm spicy. <laughs> and I've got a geyser of spicy life flowing out of me. And he gads. Barry is here to tell us how we can find true life through a posture of spicy surrender. But before we get to that, now that he's back from that spicy spring of leaping water, please welcome your favorite spicy pastor of the spicy age to come, Barry Rodriguez. I feel like you're concerned that I may, have, may have said day. that too many times in my sermon. Is that what you're <laughs> implying here? What I am saying is that you said this no less than six times. Yeah. And so it became my challenge to fit the word spicy into the intro. No, six, six times. Oh, wow. I just was toe to toe. I'm trying to match you. All right. Go in there. Go in there. <laughs> and, Hi, uh, good day. Yeah. Our other favorite spicy pastor, Amy Christie, is hey, here joining Amy. us today. I to be spicy. Yay. <laughs> Yay. I, I thought Where when you it? said that, when you were talking about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. I like, I hope I'm spicy like her. That was that, fun. Yeah, I like spicy. Spicy's good. I'm an emotional person. <laughs> spicy, <laughs> emotional, sassy, all That's of good. the above. It is good. Guys, what's, what's new? I'll tell you what's new. Little Mermaid is new. Wow. It is. Yeah. Wow. We what are, a weekend. We are currently between weekend one and weekend two of the show. Between shows. Between, between show days. Between mermaids. Between shows. Um, it has been a phenomenal experience as someone who's not in the show and literally does nothing <laughs> except greet people at the beginning. I am blown away and I'm so, so happy about the show. It's been incredible. How are you guys feeling? Amy, are you, you're still walking. Yep. Like you're still alive. My goodness. What a, what a week. Yes. It's been a week, but it's just pure joy. Once we get to this place and we're like, just getting to like everyone I, can relax a little bit and like have fun. This is yeah. when you get to play because yeah. all the work's done. Like, and you can add some little things here and there. And I'm sure there's more adding going on up there <laughs> than I even know about. Um, Cause usually people are playing and doing things off stage that people can right. see on stage yeah, that yeah, yeah. I hear about when I come. <laughs> and then I'm like, you people better not be distracting to the point that, but um it's just joy to watch all of these people that have worked so hard do yeah. what they've worked so hard for. And, um, I love the show. Like I, I knew that little mermaid would be fun, but it is spread joy in mm. ways that I really didn't. It's really magical. It just yeah, is. It and is. so many great people on stage and off stage and the orchestra sounds phenomenal. Seriously. And I mean, they start the overture and you're just like, I'm sure people have to look and go, oh my word, this it's really, real. it's yes. really live musicians. Yeah. I thought it was a track. So it's just mm. so fun. And just again, watching generations together, yeah. hanging out, spending time together, laughing together, yeah. people doing dances backstage, mimicking the people on stage because they're just having so much yeah. right. Cheer, so, cheering during like when like, there's, like, technical, other, yeah. there's, there's a technical difficulty, difficult part that mm -hmm. happens and and like when it happens well everyone's backstage yep. cheering that it that it was pulled off well yeah it sounds like a super bowl party back here <laughs> yeah. it sounds like and it looks like a yeah. super bowl party yes. back here there's yeah. like crunched up chips on the floor yeah. and <laughs> yes. people just having a good time but yeah there's i i think it's interesting to tell the listener cuz many of you have seen or will see the show but you don't get to see what happens mm -hmm. backstage there's a kids working on a puzzle throughout the entire run of the show it's <laughs> yeah. like this 
2000 piece puzzle or mm-hmm. something like that. And then there's different games happening. Some people brought, um, I guess you can play video games on your cell phone. Tell me about that life, Barry. That's a thing. It's oh, well, been a thing for a long time. <laughs> yes. One of our youngest cast members, I did see that little miles with our Ariel Anya. She, uh, the understudy day, she plays a princess. So she didn't have as much to do. And they were playing Mario Kart. Oh yeah. Or like to each all other. the sailors were like in a group. Yeah. Playing <laughs> some group on, like, games. Tiny devices that I would never be able to see without like my bifocals on, and they're like playing. They've got like little controllers, and they're oh yeah, there's makeup changes. And my daughter is a fish in one scene, and then she has to take off her fish glitter and become a seagull or something. And it's just so much life. There's feathers everywhere and glitter everywhere, and there's people running back and forth. There's quick yeah, like quick changes that all that stuff's happening. It's so cool. And the teen teenage girls are apples to apples. They seem that's their go-to game, game. which takes some concentration. So I'm always (laughs) like, girls, you got your one ear on the monitor, right? Like, you know. Oh, they are good. They, they I am the one who is not good. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. They but are good. But you got I, a reputation. You're trying to write a, a note to everybody in the entire oh, cast. Or are you just writing notes <laughs> and just, then. Yeah. So that's the other thing we do as a cast. Right now I'm looking out at our green room and there's manila envelopes wall to wall. Yep. Even rounds the corner and goes onto the second wall. But it's a way of just encouraging other people in the cast and the orchestra and the crew, basically mm-hmm. everyone involved in this production. Yep. And so I have just been feverishly <laughs> writing. <laughs> I don't know that I can hand write a note to every person that has taken part in this production, but I gonna sure try. I'm gonna I'm try trying it. hard, yeah. yep. even if it means being late for a scene. Great. Right. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Ideal. Yeah. So it's, and the other things they don't see are the makeup artists creating Mm. these beautiful, uh, because this show is all about makeup, hair and costumes, like, and the, the wigs that are getting, and then, um, Brian and Kerwin who just sit back in this hallway, the whole show changing out (laughs) for a few moments of like, chaotic, oh, hectic mic, yeah. yeah, mic changes. But then the rest of the time they just have sit to there, sit there the and show. chat and watch it on the monitor. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. There's a scene where I have to do my scene and then quickly, as fast as humanly possible, change my mic out, give the mic path to another actor so yes. that he can use it on stage and go do the scene. And right. That is the most chaotic moment of the entire show. Just trying to get them to hit their marks on time, but to switch equipment so that they can also, you know, have a microphone. It is, it is wild. And you'll see Kerwin just frantically taping, (laughs) taping the back of people's necks and saying, tuck your shirt in, tuck it in. It's mayhem. Hide your mic. Mayhem. Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know it from, from being out there. It all seems very well put (laughs) together. You all come Uh, out. Olivia looking, Olivia is going to be releasing. She's been kind of doing some social media related to the show on Grace's social media. And she's got a video that she's been working on. That's an all kind of behind the scenes video that's going to come out this I week. Can't wait. So it's she's really cool. She's good at everything. Yeah, she yeah. really is. She is. Everything. Yeah. She's amazing. She, she helped. She made a rock. She, yeah, she's, she's kind working of done makeup for several yep. of the characters. Yeah. Yep. Constructing our set Yeah. Yep. and doing makeup. Yeah. She helped a little bit with costume. Yes. Literally, yeah. I looked at the program. Her name is in that program like 14 <laughs> times. <I know. laughs> yep. Well, yeah. And so there's the stuff that the she's been media, doing on social media yeah, has been, been super awesome. fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's that was great. a great um, decision early on to have someone. Cause I, I was noticing other theaters around town trying to get their 
their audiences back after COVID and all that. They were doing a lot of like Instagram takeovers mm-hmm. by this. And I was like, we probably just, that's a great idea. And Liv was, a, Liv was yeah. a perfect one to do that. Yeah. Cause she, she's kind of a social media guru. She, she knows, she knows what to look she knows for how to do. Yeah. 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 She's great. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about the show itself. Cause that's all backstage. Uh, on stage, holy cow, yeah. it's amazing. And Amy, I hope you're really, really proud of that team because it is a really great show. Yeah, they're pretty remarkable. It is a blast. And what we always said from the very beginning, like our our purpose for doing this is just to spread joy. Like mm-hmm. there are other things that'll happen because of it, but all we want to do is just mm-hmm. spread joy because right. if we've been given so much life and light by, by Jesus, we want to share joy the joy of the gifts that he's given us with our community. And it's happening. Um, Almost every show is packed. I mean, excuse me, we've had like, I I don't know that there've been any shows like less than 80% full. No, probably not even 90%. Uh -uh. I mean, they've been packed and some of them have just been school day show, school day show, 900 students in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and what's been so cool is to see, all, just so many people I've, I've never seen in my life. Like a lot, obviously a lot of people that don't go to grace, but there's, there's kids walking around wearing uh mermaid outfit, mermaid costumes. Right. And there's, there's grandparents and there's parents and there's families and neighbors, like all just a whole bunch of people coming. And after in intermission and after the show, the lobby is just buzzing. People are so fired up and excited and it's awesome. It's we were awesome. so worried back in October Will people be ready to yeah. go back and see yeah. a show? I hope we can get tickets out. Yeah. And and now we're looking at this next weekend. And I'm telling you, friends of the pod, if you have not gotten a ticket, yeah, you better go. You you better get online like right after you hear a this. Handful yes. left. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that we we did have to open up. We're not. Oh, we didn't have to. We chose to open up some of our obstructed yeah. view. We're selling seats. them for a little bit less. Yeah. So you don't quite. You kind of get part of the stage cut off on one side or the other, but that. That's still worth it. You're still still in the room. Yeah, exactly. The room where it happened. Hey. Hey. So, so yeah, it's, it's been, and the joy that you're experiencing in an, as an audience member to me is the joy of the people on stage. I mean, they're just exuding joy and it's just so much fun to watch. And I do have to say it takes a whole village. And I think we've learned that even more this time than ever to put something like this on. And Mm -hmm. there are people that I just, I, I, said to Lori Seiler, who's the choreographer, I said, Oh, you got to stick with me. I can't, <laughs> I cannot do this. We've done, I think this is our 10th show together. Maybe yeah. I can't do it without Lori. Like no, she she's is, amazing. she knows my mind before I say anything. I know hers. Like yeah. we just, and we get along great. Like we're, we can yeah. even not agree on something and we're able to come out and Cassie Anderson, who's been the assistant director. Yeah. Amazing. Just been my kind of like my shoulder through all of it. And she's Mm -hmm. just been amazing. And they've stepped up in places that they didn't have to, but they did. And Deb Bergman coming in first time as the vocal director. Mm -hmm. And of course we've always got Dave Fackler who is watching him conduct is like just watching joy exude from one person. Absolutely. And Danny, um, Danny in the booth, golly. I mean, calling, call, she's call exhausted that show. I'm I mean, sure. there's, I can't even imagine how many calls mm. she's making. Right. Um, and and if our, you don't know theater, that's like, she's, she's the one saying, okay, lights on this, uh, do this, move this yep. set thing. Now spotlight the, up, spotlight lights out, the, take yeah. the light. And she doesn't just call one. Like it's not just blackout. It's blackout, spotlights out, music out. Like it's like mm. 15 cues Amazing. all at the same time. And so she's great. And you know, we just got, all sorts of people. I couldn't go on and on, but. Well, and all of the people you just mentioned, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're all grace people. Yep. 
but there's a lot of people in this production that are not grace people. And so it's this beautiful thing of really being a community theater. Mm -hmm. The community couldn't do it without grace. Right. We, we are, you know, the theater company, Mm -hmm. I guess you would say, but we have choreographers and dancers and artists in our midst. Mm -hmm. And they get to use their talents here. When, mm-hmm. when I first visited Grace Church back in 2017, I knew, you know, there's a place for my son. He's a musician. He's going to do well here. What is there for my daughter? Mm-hmm. That was a question I had. I just saw on my Facebook memories, um, something from when she was in sixth grade, I want to say, was her first role in a play of any kind. She played a genie and the smile on her face at curtain call. When I snapped that picture, Mm. she was a sixth grader. She's a junior now Mm -hmm. and she's still doing what she loves, but she gets to do it within a church community Mm -hmm. and to a degree, to a level that is so professional, Mm -hmm. so beyond her junior high experience. (laughs) It's unbelievable that she gets to use that gift here and be part of this community. Yeah. That's, why we do it. And I just, I love every single moment of it. And I feel, even though I'm tired, I'm as full as I possibly could be right now. It helps me to hear you say that you're tired because I am exhausted. I know. (laughs) Oh my goodness. But I'm a lot older than I was in Mary Poppins. I'm going to tell you this three and a half years. I am 51 years old and I feel every bit of those years. And I am, I mean, there were mornings after tech rehearsal week, tech week, because that's just, we went home at like some of the, some of the artistic team at like one o'clock in the morning, a couple of nights leading into shows. And I'm telling you, there were some mornings where I was like, oh, I can't even, I'm not, my body won't even move. Like I couldn't figure out how to get it to move. But then the joy, every single time this is, the joy has met me where I might wake up and say, I don't know how I am going to do two full runs of Mm -hmm. this show today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then the joy when mm-hmm. I see the little kids in their mermaid costumes. Oh my gosh, I can't tell. And the, the lines waiting to take pictures with Ariel. And I'm a maid in the production. Nobody yeah. wants to take a picture with a maid. <laughs> but I don't even care because Jed I'm- did. Jed <laughs> wanted a picture with that maid. He was like, I'm going straight for maid number three. That is yeah. funny. No, but it's it's just been such a joy. I was like most of the cast overwhelmed with emotion at our student like school oh, day gosh. school day performance yeah how many kids were there 992 to be exact wow. 992 kids yeah and like they were engaged the entire oh, yeah. time oh yeah you would I, I i would worry that theater might be boring for some of them or they might not be able to stay engaged with the story but at the end, I saw little girls dancing in the aisles. <laughs> they screamed like crazy when Sebastian came I out. Guess. Was it? No. A flounder. Flounder. Yes. flounder. They were in came love out. with flounder. Oh, that's it, so funny. Listen, it how, sounded like the Beatles had just landed. Yes. Yeah. They yeah. were screaming. How, how old is he? Is that his Flounder, 14? the heartthrob. Yeah. Ooh, my goodness. Yeah. 14 <laughs> or 15. He there might were, be 15. There were some high schoolers at the show as well. And some middle schoolers at that school show. And afterwards in the lobby, there was this, he was surrounded by this he massive very gaggle popular. of girls. Yeah. They're all like, hi, hi, you did a really great job. Right. <laughs> He's yeah. just sitting there blushing with his fish scales on his face. I it was know. amazing. He's mm. adorable too. In the yeah. show, like just He's good. So cute. He's, uh, Liv was showing me, or has talked about and has shown me a few clips of like other performances of little mermaid and their flounders. And it's, they're terrible. Yeah. And, 
Isaiah's like, uh, amazing. Well, and the, the watching him grow throughout the rehearsal process has mm. been so much fun mm-hmm. because he, he has taken direction and just gone with it. And like yeah. there, now he's adding his own little things, yes. which is exactly, I'm like, you discover, like you can do this. And he's adding little things. And I'm like, oh, I have to write it down because I yeah. want to make sure I tell him, oh yeah. yeah. Remember you had, that was funny. Good, yeah. good stuff, Isaiah. Good stuff. So it, but He's just so funny. A lot of people don't realize that Sebastian Ray Ortman is his aunt. Flounder's aunt. Yes. And King Triton is Flounder's dad. dad. I know. So he's right. got them acting I coaches know. right there. Right there. Right, right there the whole yep. time. Yep. There. Oh. Yes. It's a it's a family Big family affair out. for that well, for yep. that family. Speaking of family, I have genuinely been absolutely amazed at, at Olivia. And I know I'm super biased, but she's never done theater before. And watching her up there, especially during that first show, I was like, what? Yeah. She's so good. Like <laughs> I she's, and I don't, I'm sure that's the same thing for many people who have their family members in the show that they, they've never seen them do stuff like this before. It's just the coolest, yep. coolest thing. And so anyway, it I'm is. very grateful. It's really awesome. And your mom is in the orchestra for yeah. the first time. Not surprised that she's doing well, but, but yeah. she's actually <laughs> well, doing she's, this is way, way different. bigger than yeah. different than anything yeah, she's ever she done. She thought she was going to be coming in just doing like the piano part, but instead she's using a keyboard to fill in a whole bunch of different instruments and changing throughout the musical yep. to do different stuff. She's like, it's really, it's like a computer in front of her. Right. Um, she's crazy. playing the computer. Right. Yeah, and that right. is totally outside yeah. of her comfort yeah. zone. But she's crushing it. She's yeah. doing she, a great and job. Now, and she said to me the other night, I'm having fun now. And I <laughs> yeah. was like, oh my gosh, that is huge. Yeah, that's Because great. it was a lot. I it mean, was. it was a lot it's and a lot overwhelming. So she's now... She's yeah. now having fun. So wow. it's just been joy. So if you have not get a ticket, even if it's an obstructed view, yeah, you do not want to miss it. this. That'd be worth it's it. It's going to be fun. All right. We should probably talk about other things. But sure. That, like I could go on and on. We should talk about other things. And I feel like we would be remiss to not mention yeah. our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Yes. Um, as much joy as we have been able to experience here yes. as a cast and crew and as a church because of this production, I can tell you I am getting real-time updates, um, texts and messages from my friends in Ukraine while I'm putting on a choral costume yep. and then I'm off in the corner of the dressing room crying. And so mm. it really has been this sharp juxtaposition of joy and dance and mm. laughter and yeah extreme anguish and sorrow. And I would, I I have to admit and say fear. And it's something that I've been wrestling through personally. And I haven't really talked about this with anyone um, outside of maybe my, my husband and my daughter, but it's been hard to sing and dance with my heart so heavy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that I think it was Lisa Santee had said and encouraged us all was not to let the enemy steal our joy, that it's, it's okay to have joy and to enjoy what we're doing. And then I kind of see it like, okay, I am praying. I am praying every spare moment. It is never not on my mind. I'm praying, but I can also protest with joy. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, my daughter is having the time of her life Mm -hmm. and I get to be uh, side by side with her throughout this entire production, what a gift that is. I'm going to celebrate that and I'm going to pray and I'm going to cry and I'm going to wrestle, but we've just been holding all of these things in tension. And I just want to acknowledge that. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, you're totally right. And I, I feel like 
Sunday was emotional whiplash oh, for me. Because I mean, me I mean in the service, I, you know, we're, we're praying for Ukraine as a community and I'm sharing some of my own story and I was deeply emotional. And then I was going to the musical and then I was going to yes. uh, something in the, in, yeah. in the evening, which was, was hard, was a yeah. hard, hard conversation, some hard, hard things with some yeah. stu- students. So it's just like that. I think this is what ministry is and it's what life is. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think we spend so much time avoiding any of the hard stuff and not really pursuing the stuff that's truly full of joy that it actually it can be hard for us to have that kind of whiplash. But I agree with you. I think we, we have to walk both in anguish and in joy. And that's part of the low grade fever of sadness that dad always talked about mm-hmm. of, of living in this still broken world. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, it is, it is very uh, difficult because if you weren't here in the service, I shared like we, well, Marin as well, we both go, way back with mission to Ukraine, our friends in, in Jatomer. Um, and I've been there several times and it, they're very, I'm just very, um, yeah, very close. I feel very, very like, like they're family to me and, um, to see the updates of what's going on and, and to know from them that like, you know, there was an explosion at the rail yard the other day and that there's, uh, there's rumors that there's tanks on the way. And it's just like, how do you even, how do you even begin to process that? And yet I know they're safe and I also have full confidence in God's ability to walk with them. And, and if, if anything, that's the brightest light of the kingdom in all of Ukraine and knowing that it gives me hope that they were probably, if anyone's going to be leading their countrymen through hope and, and, uh, looking to God, it's them. And so I have, even in the midst of the doubt and the pain and the fear, I have that encouragement and that hope. So yeah, yeah. it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know King Triton is a pastor of City of Lights Church and Mm -hmm. throughout this entire week of shows, he's been in contact with some pastors he knows in Ukraine. And it is good, again, where we we have these moments where we can steal away and pray together and Mm -hmm. and cry together. Sunday morning, Amy and I uh, (laughs) wept through the 11 a.m. service. Then we did a show. Then I went to a prayer vigil for Ukraine immediately after curtain call. I didn't even go out into the lobby so that I could get there on time. And you're right. It feels like whiplash. Yeah. Um, but we are praying. Um, and that's the beauty too, even about the, this show and this cast is that we are like-minded in that way. And, mm-hmm. and if one person isn't thinking about it, the next person is going to stop and say, we need to pray for this. And that's so beautiful too, to be yeah. in a room with people that are artists, but also, um, love Jesus and, and the Holy spirit is like so present. And so there's so much power. I feel like even that mm-hmm. when we've stopped and prayed for the Ukraine and what was going on there, cause John, the pastor you were just speaking of was getting some texts from friends over there and we just stopped and prayed. And it was like, there was just power in that room and yeah. that's beautiful too. And that is really all of my friends, that's, that's what they're asking for Mm -hmm. is for everyone to pray, even to fast and to pray. Mm -hmm. And so I am, but something that hit me earlier this week was just how much I need to be praising with my, my prayer. Mm -hmm. I need to find something to praise him for, even if it is my friends are currently alive, right? They're hunkered down They're They're in bomb shelters or, or some of them have escaped to other countries. And I, I can, I can find gratitude mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. and find praise and make praise a weapon as much as prayer is a weapon. Um, that helps me to fight these feelings of helplessness. Mm-hmm. My God is not helpless. Right. No, 
I just as because I think the average listener probably we talk about mission to Ukraine a lot. Sure. Could you just in a brief summary yeah. explain exactly what they do, sure. yeah. who they do it for, what the what the the um even the establishment is like that the mm-hmm. where they yeah. Cause yeah. I like, I, I'm even confused sometimes as to like, are there yes. kids that actually live in a specific area or gotcha. is this just a refuge for sure. them? So Mary, do you mind if I take a stab at it? it? Okay. Yeah. So there's kind of three, three arms of mission to Ukraine. Uh, all of them having to do with caring for and protecting vulnerable children in, in one form or another. Right. Um, probably more, well-known because I, that's probably where I connected with more most deeply is they have a lot of work with kids with disabilities. And so part of that involves, they do classes, they do physical, physical therapy for a, a time. They had the only occupational therapist in all of Ukraine working for them. Uh, they, they do medical care, dental, things like that. And they're essentially in a country that until recently has just had zero support for disabilities. And we're, we're talking like Parents would, with no support, with no idea what to do, would literally like chain or rope their child to a bed while they had to leave because they couldn't leave them alone. There was nothing, there's no wheelchair ramps. Like it's, it's the kind of place that is just zero support. They come in, Mission to Ukraine comes in and they walk with families and support them and love them. And um, one of the biggest highlights of what they do every year is they have this summer camp uh, where they bring in kids with Parents and kids with disabilities come and it's almost always mothers with their child, but they bring all these kids in and then there's, there's Ukrainian volunteers and often American short-term trip teams come and they just have this whole week of like summer camp for these kids. And it's absolutely the most beautiful place on earth. And it's Mm -hmm. just joyful and incredible. Meanwhile, the moms are all getting like spa days and they're having Bible studies and they Mm -hmm. are, the moms are walking around like, who are you people? Mm -hmm. Because every year they commit to having half of the kids be kids that had not experienced it. That's prior years. So these moms are coming in like, what is this place? Well, these Mm -hmm. are moms that would have been raised during Soviet times. Absolutely. Where something like this would have been absolutely unthinkable. Totally. Totally. And so that's one arm is that caring for kids with disabilities. And they're currently in the process of expanding their center, which would double or triple their capacity to serve and have a lot more space. They're crammed into this tiny sure. little building that they've, they've made work, these tiny little rooms. It, it, it's incredible, but they're going to, they're building this new thing and they, they've had great favor from God with like the local government to be able to get it built. And they're still fundraising for it. Obviously this new turn of events is going to rage putting everything into question, but that's one thing they do. Another thing related to that, that they do is they have had a longstanding relationship with a local orphanage for uh, boys and young men with disabilities called Romanov Orphanage. It's in Romani, outside of Romanov village. And uh, it, it, it's a whole long story I won't get into, but they've essentially committed to going there every week, loving on these, these boys, teaching them and through their influence have completely transformed Mm -hmm. the, 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 the approach and the philosophy of the staff of this place. And they've started taking a different approach to caring for these kids. It's, it's a truly remarkable story. And then the third arm is they have a crisis pregnancy, uh, counseling service where, and, and essentially in Ukraine, there's just like abortion is, is one of the just common methods of birth control. Mm -hmm. Like people do that all the time. And, and so it is, uh, God has laid it on their heart to counsel women that there is another way that there Mm -hmm. are options. Um, but what I love, and so they'll actually, they'll meet with women. They, 
sometimes just this past week, so two women called from Kiev thinking they got mixed up. They thought they were calling to get an abortion and ended up finding someone who was a listening ear who's talked to them for hours mm-hmm. and, and they ended up choosing to, to have their baby. Part of what Mission to Ukraine does that I love so much is that they actually will walk with these mothers for a period of time. Mm-hmm. There is some kind of government assistance that kicks in six months after you have a baby, mm-hmm. but before that you're kind of on your own. Mm-hmm. And so many out of purely economic reasons, many women will choose not to have their babies because they can't afford to. Mm-hmm. Well, Mission to Ukraine will come in and they will provide food and clothing and support and medical care. And it's it's this, and, and community, and they will just walk with these mm-hmm. women. And it's such an incredible uh, incredible ministry. I know that the topic of abortion gets very politicized and very, uh, it's, it's very controversial, but when you're there, what you see are, they have these pillars in their, in their office and they have pictures of all of these young kids. And now some of them getting a bit older who, who their mothers chose to have them. And so what it's not about politics or, or anything. What it is, it's it's the pillars of babies that have been saved that are now living with us Mm -hmm. that have been cared for Mm -hmm. through their first years of life. Like, and giving their mothers dignity, Dignity. letting their mothers know what if there was a way for you actually to be able to hold your babies in your arms? Cause so many mothers, again, don't feel like that's even an option for them because of their economic situation. Well, they don't just help them with a decision. They walk with them beyond that decision, which that's, that's how we should all be functioning. Absolutely. So that's, so the, the children then, um, especially that are part of the camp and the, they are, they are with their families right now. Now the, the boys at the orphanage though are at the orphanage, I would assume. It's a very, yes. And it, there are some there that have no family at all, but because of just sort of this sort of institutional culture, there are boys at the orphanage that actually have families, but their families didn't feel they could care for them. So they, so they institutionalize them. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's very complicated. It's a very complicated place, but yeah. Okay. So essentially, yeah, if you're not able to care for your child, they're going to this orphanage. And this orphanage was chain the boys to a chain link fence and walls walls are painted black bars on the windows. That's what it was like when they first came there. Yeah. It it is. And Mission to Ukraine comes and says, we want to offer therapies right. to the Again, boys. not just showing you what to do, but walking alongside yes. them and right. helping them learn a right. different way of right. doing things by showing them. Right. Oh yeah. That's and even amazing. helping the people yeah. who run the camp realize the potential of these mm-hmm. boys and what they can actually achieve. Right. Yeah. And what's, what's really cool. There's a, now another ministry there, which came to Ukraine because of Mission to Ukraine and their work with Romanov. But there's a, a family, Kim and Jed Johnson, who um, they felt called by God to relocate their whole family and their multiple kids to Ukraine to begin adopting and, and rescuing uh, these boys that would normally age out and be sent to what's a, the equivalent of a, men- a mental institution. Right. That's about all they would have for them. So they would begin adopting these boys. And they've now since adopted four of the boys, I think, out of Romanov. And they've begun uh, training up other families to begin. And they've got a whole compound. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. if I wasn't doing this, <laughs> like they're yes. living the life that I would, I would dream of. Cause they're, they're growing their own food. They've got this whole compound with these boys and it's just this beautiful, beautiful place. And it's all, it's the fruit. It's this multiplying fruit that comes from, from God's kingdom at work. And yep. uh, so it's, it's just cool. And that, that's another, you can find them if you want to look them up. Uh, wide awake mm-hmm. ministry is what it's called or wide awake 
Ministries, Wide Awake. I don't know. Yeah, Wide Awake. Just look Wide Awake, Ukraine, you'll Mm -hmm. find it. You'll find it. So I think that's super helpful. Like what, just describing all of that and giving an understanding to people of exactly what they're doing and what they're facing. Right. Kim and Jed from the Wide Awake Ministry posted a video earlier this week. It was somebody's birthday that was staying Mm -hmm. with them on this uh, property of theirs. And they had a dance party Mm -hmm. and they made a cake and it was in the middle of a war zone. Yeah. That's yeah, but trying to provide some kind of normalcy and yeah. structure. The boys have chores. The boys have structure to their day and just trying to keep things yeah. as normal as possible. So, and the thing, the last thing I'll say, like, obviously this is a conflict that is affecting an entire country. So it's not just our friends in Jatomer, right. but right. having these deep relationships and these, these connections with, with our friends there, it, it takes the whole situation to a new level, mm-hmm. not only in, in, the emotions that we feel for the situation, but also in our ability to, to pray accurately, knowing the faces and individuals and names of people there. And so it's really, I'm really grateful to God that we have such a deep partnership, Grace Church with Mission to Ukraine, because yeah. yeah, it allows us to be far more present in the midst of this. So, yeah. Well, Barry, you gave the message this weekend. We are in the third week of our series all about the gospel of John. Is it really? No, fourth Uh, fourth fourth week. week. Fourth week. week. Why did I put? It's like, I feel like we've been talking about You know, it's whoever sits in this chair. Yeah. Can't ever get that part right. That's right. That's That's, how it goes. That's how it goes. Barry. Yeah. What was your big idea? Well, we talked about the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4. And one of the things I wanted to try to draw attention to was that it may not be explicit, but there are a lot of implicit connections between this story and the story in John three, where Jesus is teaching, talking to Nicodemus. Mm -hmm. There are parallels in sort of the way that they both interact with Jesus, the questions that they ask, uh, and some of the things that Jesus is, is ultimately saying. But what we see in this story is that the woman at the well, unlike Nicodemus, who just kind of fades from the story, this woman, she makes a decision to follow Christ. And she, she, determines that, yeah, I'm all in with, with what he's got to say. And so much so that she ends up bringing her entire village out to meet him. Uh, and they all, many of them believe as well. So my big idea, just like last week put in a nutshell is that belief requires, or sorry, true life requires surrender. That's what Jesus is saying to her is that ultimately I want you to come alive. I want you to experience this, this geyser of true life, which we could talk about in, in your heart, I want you to come alive. Um, but, but we're looking for those who are willing to worship and follow with a, with a posture of surrender, not trying to be the masters of their own destiny. So that's kind of what, what the, what the message was about. That's what the story was about. It's a long passage. So it kind of, we kind of went through the whole thing, but I, I had two reflection questions that I wanted us to consider based on what we read here. One of them being, what is your source of life? Because Jesus talks a lot about life, this, this, uh, this bubbling spring of true life got, you know, gushing up within us. What is that? Do, is it the Holy spirit or are we just like this woman? Are we going back to this well of our own design day after day, parched and thirsty and, and needing something more? That was the first reflection question. And the second question was, um, wait, what was my second question? Uh, oh, are you going there with Jesus? Cause as, as you Clearly mentioned in your intro many times, uh, this woman <laughs> I refer to as spicy. spicy. She's, she's, she's uh, a spicy woman. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she goes toe to toe with Jesus. And, uh, John paints her as a worthy debate partner with Jesus. Like he's, he's 
actually seems to be engaging with her questions and pushing back and not, he asked for a drink of water. I don't think he ever got that drink of water, uh, which is interesting, but, Hmm. uh, she, she's just wants to get her questions answered. And so, and he goes there with her. And, and so I was asking, are, are we willing to go there with Jesus? Because so many of us, I think we just kind of back away when things get difficult or we have a doubt and we just say, yeah, forget it. And we walk away. And I'm encouraging us to, to dig in. If we're skeptical, bring those skepticisms to Jesus. If we've got problems, bring them to him and wrestle with them. Cause like, I think that's what, not only does he delight in that, but that's, what's going to lead us to true life. It's not just from giving up on the struggle. So that was my second sort of takeaway to kind of be like the Samaritan woman and stick it, stick, uh, yeah, stick with it and, and dig in and, and go there. So why was it such a big deal that Jesus would be talking to a Samaritan woman? Was it that she was a Samaritan or was it that she was a woman? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was both. Uh, I, I mentioned in the, in the sermon, but the Jews and Samaritans just in general did not like each other. And it was interesting because the Samaritans and the Jews had different interpretations on the, the, the origin of the Samaritans. The mm-hmm. Samaritans, as this woman says, they thought of themselves as the true descendants of Jacob. Uh, they, they believe that they really were like the actual, mm-hmm. everyone else got taken away into Babylon in exile, but we stayed, we're the true descendants of Jacob. The Jewish people said, nah, you, your descendants were brought here from foreign lands by Assyria during the Assyrian invasion. And y'all are, are half breeds. You're not, you're not truly descendants of Jacob. So it, there's debate. And I, I looked this up. There's actually, they've done genetic testing on some, there's, Samaritan people and are still worshiping on Mount Gerizim today, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. No, they're still Samaritans. They're still worshiping. Wow. Uh, yeah. And they still think of themselves as descended from Jacob. And it sounds like based on the genetic record that both stories are kind of true. There's actually evidence that, that both there are, they do have lineage of foreign descent, but they also have connections to Israelite descent. So it's yeah. most likely there was a mix. Assyria brought in foreigners and then people began intermarrying. Mm-hmm. And so regardless, those that thought of themselves as pure blooded mm-hmm. Jewish people would not have looked at Samaritans as, as worthy. Uh, they would have thought of them as Gentiles, essentially. You mm-hmm. said to the point of bypassing. Yes. They the, would go the around Samaria, the whole region. They would go to the far Eastern side of the, the wow. river Jordan, even though that was a way out of your way. It was a much longer trip. Mm. So, so what do you think of the line that tells us that Jesus had to Ooh, go yeah. through Samaria? So there's a, that's an interesting question. It says he had to. And the question is, is that a geographical convenience or mm-hmm. was there something else at play there? I think when it says he had to, I I'm inclined to think that it was the Holy spirit leading him to Samaria for this conversation. I was going to say this, those moments where you're like, I have to yeah. do this, not yeah. because you have to do this, but because you have to do this. Like, <laughs> yeah. like you know yeah. that you're being obedient by doing this. Well, right. Even and if you even, don't want to. Even the fact that the rest of the disciples went into town to go buy food and he's just chilling out at the well right, yeah. with no bucket right. and no rope. He, why didn't he go with the rest of his disciples mm-hmm. into town? Yeah. There is something that would lead me to believe with you guys that, that he had to, yeah. <laughs> he had right. to meet her at that well. Yeah. And it's interesting. There's so much stuff. I mean, honestly, this podcast is going to be like four hours long because <laughs> I've got so much stuff I could talk about, but it's so interesting to look at sort of the theological themes in the old Testament. There are three points at which uh, men meet women at wells. One of them is Isaac's. Well, it's Abraham's servant. Who's mm-hmm. going to meet, try to find a wife for Isaac. And uh, he meets uh, Isaac. Is it Rebecca? 
We had yeah. this. We, we had, had this, this conversation. I always get him. It was Rebecca. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, but but that whole story, uh, he, it's a matter of going trusting that God is going to show him who the right woman is. And then Rebecca shows up out of nowhere and she's the one that was meant to be with Isaac. The second story with Jacob, he, the whole theme of Jacob's story is that he is, he always tries to take his own destiny into his own hands and he gets to the well. And instead of like trusting God to provide the right woman, he goes in there and he like, there's a big stone over the well. And he just like picks up the stone and chucks <laughs> it away like a big right. you know, brawny guy. And he's like, yeah, I'll be your husband or whatever. Right. <laughs> and then, and then he gets deceived because he's deceptive. It's a whole thing. And then in, and then in the story of Moses meeting his wife, it's, it's another story of like, trusting that God would bring the right person at the right time. So what's interesting and they is they were all at Wells. They're all at Wells. Well, and it's, people. Well, yeah. And so what's interesting is that it, to me, at least, uh, is that if you had to look at what's the same in all of these stories is that it is a, um, I don't know what the right word is. Propitious. Is that the right word? What's that word mean? I don't know what it means. It's, it feels right. <laughs> okay. It is a, we'll it is an it. appropriate place. A well meeting, a man meeting a woman at a well is an appropriate place to hmm. reveal both your character as well as your willingness to trust in God's plan or not. Mm. Like mm. that seems to be the case in each one of these. It's a matter of, is it trust? Is it self-reliance? Is it, uh, you know, meeting the, meeting the woman, it reveals kind of who you are. And so yet again, and, and I, this is kind of just me musing, but again, you look at this moment and it's a matter of, there's a matter of trust. There's a matter of revealing the character of who these people are. And it's a moment for God to move. And so it's kind of like the, by Jesus sitting at this well and this woman showing up, it's like, you're expecting, oh, God's about to move. Something mm -hmm. about, something's about to happen. It kind of sets the stage for you. So, yeah. so Jesus asks this Samaritan woman who is unnamed, but yes. he, he asks her for a drink and she is surprised yeah. by his request. Yeah. And I think this is why you hammered us with that word spicy as many times as you <laughs> did, because she just starts peppering him with yeah. questions. Like, who do you think you are? Or you're not supposed to ask me for water or whatever. Yeah. Right. It's crazy. And your take on that was that Jesus was not there to condemn her. Right. And he allowed her the, the freedom and the margin to ask those questions without right. saying like, don't you know who I am? Or how dare, how dare you dare talk you? back right. to me? Right. Yeah. That was an astonishing take on, on this story that we can take from this story a boldness yeah. to approach him with our own questions and that he's not going to uh, scold us right. for approaching him in such a way. Right. Well, it's like he opened the door for it because he, he had to know what her, like she was going to have some kind of reaction sure. to that question sure. because of the social norms and the culture of the day. And that's yeah. not acceptable. Yeah. And so I love that he, he went there. Yeah. Like he was like, okay, we're going to open up this can of worms yeah. and let's see where we go with but this. Think about, and think about what he says. Uh, Cause you, you, you know, we said, how dare you? I mean, he could have said, if you knew who you were talking to, mm -hmm. right. you would have a lot more respect. But instead right. what he says is if you only knew who you were talking to, you'd ask and I'd give you a kind of water that, that would make you never thirsty again. Like he goes right to, you don't know who you're talking to, but I've got something better in store for you than you could possibly imagine. Instead of how dare you? It's, mm -hmm. it's beautiful. It's such a cool uh, response to her spiciness. Right. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And yeah. you said, that's a geyser. Leaping up to eternal Leaping life is what it literally says. Life. Yeah. I just thought that was interesting. 
it's, I mean, how do you, water doesn't leap except in that sense. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Well, no, there it's a relatively geologically active area. <laughs> I bet they would have been somewhat familiar with geysers. Surely. That's like a great, the great rift Valley connects all the way up into Israel. Mm-hmm. I'm sure who knows, but I will say that in my mind, the idea of water leaping up, it, it's not just like a spring kind of gurgling out of the ground. It's like, Kadoosh! it's just right. water mm-hmm. pouring. And that, that idea of like, it is, it's abundant. It's, it's energetic. It's forceful. That's the kind of life that, that he's talking about here. I wonder why he would talk to her in such like poetic language. She's talking about real thirst right? because she's at a well and it's high noon yeah. and it's hot out. Yeah. But he is telling her that there's a, an inward thirst quenching. Yeah. Do you think that she in any way understood that? Well, the next line she says, well, tell me where I can get this water. So I want to come back to this well. So clearly she's still taking it literally right. at that right. point. Um, yeah. I mean, but again, you look at Nicodemus and Jesus is like, you've got to be born again. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm not supposed to right. go back into my mother's womb. They both take him pretty mm-hmm. literally. And then he goes on and continues to teach and continues to explain. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why he's te- teaching in this way. It's, it's odd. And then he asks what might be considered a leading question where he said, go home and get your husband. Oh yeah. 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 It's like, was he testing her? Right. I don't, maybe, I don't know. But I, again, my take on all of that, as we look into it, then he, cause, cause then she says, well, I don't have a husband. And then he goes on and he tells her like, well, yeah, because you've had five, five husbands and the right. one you're living with now is not your husband. I don't think of that as him condemning her at all necessarily. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I look at that as him saying like, I know you, right. I know what you've been through. And as I mentioned in the message, women don't, they didn't have the power to divorce their husbands. So she's either been divorced, like men have Mm, abandoned her her, or they've all died. I mean, it was a series Mm -hmm. of, of husbands that have died one after the other, or, or maybe it's a combination. Maybe her first husband died. And so by law, she got, married to her, that guy's brother. And then he divorced her cause she didn't cook well or whatever. Like who knows, but she's clearly been through a deeply challenging cir- set of circumstances. And, and even the idea that she's like living with a man that isn't her husband. I said, it, it may not even be a matter of morals or loose morals or immorality at all. It may be a matter of survival for someone so low on the, on the, the totem pole so low on society's ladder that she would have to fend for herself and do whatever she could to, to survive. Hmm. And I postulated, I don't know if it's true, but I could imagine in a culture like that, that her community would have thought of her as cursed. I mean, a woman that has had five failed marriages, what failed for one reason or another, if all of her husbands died, mm-hmm. you better believe no they one thought, wants to be yeah, the right, fifth. Sure. No one wants to be the sixth in a long mm-hmm. line of bodies. Right. So it, it's this, I could just very much imagine she's on the outskirts of society living with a man so that she can get some food to survive is not something that I would think of as like, Oh, she's a floozy. She's, Mm -hmm. you know, out there sleeping around. I don't know. I think she's trying to try to survive. I could be wrong again. That's my interpretation of what's going on here. I think traditionally I was always kind of, it was always like Jesus is calling her out for her immorality yeah. and like telling her like, I know how sinful you are, I but don't, I don't think that's, that's where he's not how from. I hear the tone at all. Really? When he said yeah. like, like you're right. You, yeah, you've you had definitely, five, you've had five husbands and you're not even actually married to the one now. And I see you, I yeah. know you. And when you were saying that about 
not knowing her story, it reminded me even of what you were just talking about in Ukraine Mm. with these women that many people might condemn them for having an abortion Mm -hmm. or what, but you don't understand what they're up against. And so it, the, the mission to Ukraine is stepping in, in a place like Jesus to help them maybe make another choice because not only they're going to help them through that decision. Right. And we never know, just like with this woman, what, what people are up against. And I'm so quick to make snap judgments about people when I don't know what pain or brokenness or what they've been fighting their whole lives that maybe are making them have to make choices that they don't even want to make or that they were pushed into or whatever. And yeah, um, I just love, Oh, sorry. I'm clanking. I'm clanking. We're good. Um, anyway, you're just, yeah. yeah. I have definitely grown up, I think with a faith tradition that did paint this woman out to be some sort of like scarlet lettered woman, right. you know, the right. woman right. at the well, right. you know, right. Oh, me too. Yeah. You've had five right. husbands and yeah. the one you're living. I've definitely and heard Sheba it was horrible and like right, right, right. we were taught right. all these, yeah. but I don't mainly think, about women. I don't think a lot of people make that connection with the world behind the text that women were not legally allowed to divorce their right. husbands. That's kind of all it takes to get you thinking a little differently about right. this. Yeah. Right. But you said, even if she were immoral, Jesus is not condemning her. Right. He's showing her that he knows who she is. Right. Yeah. He knows what she's been through and he wants her to come alive. And then I love that you brought us back to last week yeah. to John three. He said right after John three sixteen, he said in 17, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the mm-hmm. world through him. Yeah. So he had to go through. Yeah. And sit by this well That's right. because there was someone he needed to save. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. This is one theme I didn't get into at all because I had to cut so much. I was mm. so sad about cutting everything. But are you, you, are you like me? Do you write like 45 minute sermons and then have to just hack at it? I was on my way to writing a 45 minute <laughs> sermon. I was like, well, okay, I guess we're not going to read verse 31 and get into that. But well, I mean, you do give some very long passages sometimes. It's very, it's very hard to get it all crazy. I can't even read the passage in 30 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, oh I see me. Like when I'm assigning like yes, different passages. There's a lot there. passages. These John ones are lengthy. For the record, when I do that, you have the freedom to I know, choose a, I'm a segment of that but passage. But it's hard sometimes, it especially is. this, because it's, it's a whole story. one big story, story right. Yeah. You can't like, what are you going to cut? Like, right, right. it's all important. So in, in the the little part between her leaving to go get her fellow villagers and them meeting Jesus and arrive. There's a whole scene with Jesus and his disciples mm. where they ask him like, Hey, you hungry? You want something to eat? And he's like, I have food that you don't know anything about. Like my nourishment, something you don't even know about. And they're like, did he get food somewhere else? They're taking him literally too. again. Wow. Uh, but what's interesting is he is talking all about living water. He never got his drink of water. And they're asking him about food. He never gets any food. And the theme in both of those segments is the idea of him being nourished by doing the will of God, mm. which is why I think had to go through Samaria is exactly about obedience to the spirit because mm-hmm. he is nourished. He has given life through the obedience to what God has called him to do. And that's why after having this conversation with this woman, he's more full than he's ever been. He's had a three course meal of obedience where he is just like, I'm, I'm nourished. And that's all. I don't need to, I don't need food because I've been, I've been 
dining on on the the exquisite cuisine of obedience to God. It's like a, mm. such a crazy uh, metaphor, but it's interesting. I'm sure he did eat eventually, but uh, it's it's a, just a powerful metaphor, I think. Yeah. So he tells her that he he knows her that she's had these husbands before and that the person that she's living with currently is not her husband. And she says, you must be a prophet because you know all these things about me. And then she asks him a question about religion. Yeah. Why would she do that? That, that was always a strange transition to me as I read this. If somebody just kind of like read my mail, Uh (laughs) I would probably not go to, well, how come we Samaritans say it's Mount Gerizim and that's where our ancestors, why, why did she do yeah. that? Well, let's think about this. I don't know for sure, but I imagine Jesus was dressed in a way that she would understand implicitly that he was a rabbi. I don't know, but I imagine that she would have known or at least surmised. He was probably dressed like a Jewish man as well. So she hmm. knows he's Jewish. Yeah. Or you least, Jews. So tell me, yeah, why she, is it that you Jews right, right. insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? Right. So if you think about that and then you think about the context of what just happened, if she just realized, oh, you're a prophet and you're Jewish and I'm a Samaritan, then, and every Jew that I've ever met or everything I've heard about Jews is that we're not, we're not in we're oh, out. They, they won't even pass through her town. They won't, they won't touch. They won't touch a vessel of water that I've touched. Like, huh. so if all that's true, then that must mean that I'm not in. And so you're telling me that I'm in, but everything that, that I've heard about Jewish people or Jewish teaching is that I'm not in. Mm. So she's trying to make sense of that. That's my take. So she's, I know it's, it's an odd, <clears throat> it's an mm. odd thing to ask, but I think what she's saying there, and I think that's the subtext is, so I, you're saying that this is all for me. I've, you've got true life in store for me. You know everything about me, but I'm not, I'm not Jewish. Hmm. And so that seems to be her question. And his response is essentially, it's a long one. It, essentially he's saying like, yeah, God is going to bless the world. And his plan has always been to bless the world through Israel. Like that's his plan, the descendants of Abraham. But the time is coming yet it is even here now when people will no longer worship God on Mount Gerizim or Mount Jeru- or, mm-hmm. or Jerusalem, they will worship him in spirit and in truth. And like mm-hmm. I said in the message that that word worship is, is a surrender. It is a bowing down of worship. Mm-hmm. And I think what he's trying to say, she's, if I had to like paraphrase the whole conversation, he's saying, you've lived a broken life. And she's saying, wow, you really seem to know me, but I can't, I can't, I'm not, qualified Mm -hmm. to get the life and the salvation that you're talking about uh, because I'm not Jewish. And he's saying, she's just saying it in her spicy way of saying it. Sure. Right. She's having a debate. And and, yeah. And his response, spicy woman. (laughs) There it is. And his response is, I'm telling you what, there's a, there's a new day coming and it's a day in which everyone, even the Gentiles, everyone is welcome Mm -hmm. in the family of God. The, the, the prerequisite is not your, your birth or your nationality or your ethnicity, the prerequisite is your posture. Are you willing to surrender? I just noticed he calls her dear woman. It's that same word from it's your message. The same did word. Did you look it up? I did. Yeah. Just to be Gune. sure. Yeah. yeah. It's the same word. If you caught the message uh, two weeks ago, when Jesus performs his first miracle at the wedding in Cana, he calls his own mother woman, dear woman, <laughs> right? Dear woman. It's the same word, Gune. And it's, 
a respectful term for a woman. Yes. And so again, she's peppering him with all these spicy questions yeah. and he responds to her in a way that is dignifying and respectful mm. for, for a woman for whom like seeing a Jew would be like a, a unicorn. Like, sure. like they, they passed through. Right. Jesus passed through her region for one. Right. Then he sat down and asked her for a drink. Yeah. Now he's a golden unicorn. Absolutely. But right. now he's showing her respect. Yes. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane. I mean, it's totally out of anything that she would possibly expect, which to me, to me makes sense of what she's saying mm. next. Cause she says, I know the Messiah is coming and she uses the Hebrew word Messiah. And then she says the one known as the Christ, which is the Greek word for Messiah. Mm. And she says, when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And I think the subtext of that is, and I'll, and I'll, I'm down. I'll, I'll listen. Like, I know, I, I agree with you that, that the Messiah is coming and I'm ready to hear what he has to say. And, wow. th- and then Jesus says, it's me mm. or literally I am, yes. which is a bigger, he's basically claiming to be not only the Messiah, but God himself mm. by saying that. But yeah, he's saying, I am the one you're speaking to is wow. me. So I, man, I agree. It's, it, it's so much more powerful than I think I've often thought of it as this like weird theological debate with all these non sequiturs of like, well, where did that convert? That's not a normal conversation. How did you get to that from that Mm -hmm. point and all of that? And I love how it, it, to me, it does start to really flow together when you understand some of the dynamics at play. Yeah. So you said that Nicodemus, a chapter earlier was on the fence, Yeah. but that this woman at the well was an evangelist right? because she leaves at this moment yeah. and goes and tells everyone in her village yeah. about Jesus. Right. And then they beg him to stay. And this was interesting to me. He stayed for two days. Yeah. He did a lot in two days. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, it's interesting. If you think about it, I mean, they've got places to be They're on their way to Galilee there. And I doubt that they were scheduled to get there on an exact day, hmm. but like they, that wasn't their plan. They weren't planning to stay in, in Sychar, but they decided to. Well, and I would assume were his, Disciples probably a little bummed out that they went there at all. Maybe. You, I mean, yeah, maybe you, like, I, I would think they would be like, hey, who? Like when it says Jesus said, I had to go here, the disciples might have been like, right. hey, we didn't. Right. We're not really <laughs> They had to go into the village this. to get food, and the right. whole time they're like, ew, ew, ew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm picturing. Like they had to be kind of like, this is a bummer. We're not really I'm excited also about expecting this. these these teenage boys to probably get back with the food, and, the, and it, there he's like, Jesus is like, we're going to stay here for two days. They're like, what? We just came back from right, the village. Exactly. Like, it's like, that's like yeah. a 20 minute walk. Jesus. <laughs> the uh. disciples always come across, you know, kind of, they just seem a little bit like, I don't know what I'm trying to compare them to, but yeah. they just seem, they're just kind of doofus. A little doofus. I, I think they're yeah. just, they're a little bit in over their heads. They, yes. they know that Jesus is something completely different, right? but they are just a little bit unable to keep up with him. Like even at this point, they see him talking to a woman and they're all just like, nobody's they're all looking at each other. Like, I'm not going to say anything. I don't know what he's doing, but I'm not going to be the one to ask him. What are you doing? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. I feel like I'm in over my head a lot too. So I guess I can relate. Yeah. So you left us with some questions for reflection. Yeah. Where is our source of life? Do we feel like we're parched every day? Does it feel like we have to constantly go back to the well, whatever that may be? And I think when I first heard this message, I was confused because I was like, well, yeah, I'm thirsty for the Lord every day. Isn't that Uh, what I'm supposed to be? Aren't I supposed to be thirsty every day and constantly going back to the well? Mm -hmm. But you said the well of success or self-medicating or stuff or money. Are you thirsting every day for things that will not 
quench your thirst. Right. And this is the powerful thing about metaphors is that they can carry different meanings in different contexts. As the deer pants for water, right. so my soul pants for you. Like, right. It's okay to think of thirst in different ways, but yeah, that's what, that's what I'm talking about is the, the thirst of our own making where we are constantly just having to go back in the heat of the day to get another dip of water to, to cool our tongue and then go back the next day and the next day and just constantly. And if we don't get it, we die. Like it, it, that kind of thirst, is that our lifestyle Yeah. or do we have that well within us that, that refreshes us in a way that, that truly like gives us life? That's what I, that's what I was asking. And I'm essentially asking the same thing I asked last week. Are we born Mm -hmm. again? Are we in new creation? Have we surrendered or are we perishing? Are we the moldy loaf of bread? Like we talked about. Right. Right. Yep. I also, one of the things that stuck with me was when you were talking about deconstructing. That's the second question. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> the second question was, are you asking the hard questions? Yes. Are yeah. you there we asking go. Are we Jesus being spicy? The hard yeah. questions. Jesus. Are you going there? Yeah. 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 Sorry, I just, you when, you, yeah. when, because, you know, I've got, I've got a lot of people in my life, especially coming up in this next generation after me and the one after that, that are at a place. And, and I, I think the idea of deconstructing your faith and asking hard questions and, and struggling with maybe what you were brought up with, even as we talk about this, things that I believed growing up in the church that now I'm, are coming to light in new ways for me, but deconstruction is okay as long as you don't leave the rubble. Yes. And that, that has stuck with me since this weekend is how many people are deconstructing and then just walking away from the rubble and walking away from all of it and not reconstructing something new. And so I, that really hit me Mm -hmm. as, as my prayer is that as people deconstruct and even my own self, that I'm willing to do the hard work to reconstruct the deconstruction, if that makes sense. Totally. And I, that to me is like, if there's one thing that I think of as my like, ultra meta purpose Mm. in ministry and maybe why I'm here at grace for like in the really, really big picture, it's to help at least begin for many that anyone who will listen the journey of reconstruction, because my own story is one of rapid deconstruction. And in my undergraduate Bible school, college years, where it was like a giant, one of those giant wrecking balls was just smashing my faith left and right. All the, the things that I had built that I thought I understood about God, about faith, Mm. about Christianity was all just kind of collapsing around me. And then thank God I was put in, in, I I was given new scaffolding immediately when I went and was placed in planted in Kenya for a year. Like I, again, I talk about all the time that began new scaffolding, which then I began to, to, to reconstruct some new concepts where rather than saying, well, it's all garbage and I'm walking away. I realized, well, this is interesting because I hadn't thought of it this way. Maybe if I explored this concept and well, if I don't think of scripture like this anymore, but I will look, look at it this way, maybe I can, I can see how this actually would have authority in my life. And oh, wow, I've experienced the spirit. I can't discount the fact that God speaks. And so it's this each little experiential mm-hmm. and knowledge and, and the people that I interact with and seeing like the kingdom of God at work and seeing lives being healed. It, it began the process for me. And so now I'm, I'm what 15 20 years into my reconstruction and it it's still an ongoing process big time. But what I've found is that there is life after deconstruction. And, and in fact, it's, it's way better. I would way rather mm. have gone through that process than to, than to still be all in, in the, the structure of my faith that I once had, because now I realize I, I wasn't asking the hard questions. I hadn't really wrestled with some of the d- the deep challenges 
And, and so it was very shallow faith. And now I, I would say my faith is much deeper than it was, even though I probably am more aware of the questions and the, the unknowns than I ever was. I've pressed into it. And the, the structure that I've built for my new faith is one that I think will stand a f- much more the test of time than my old one. Mm. And is this why you felt led to do the Bible class for Bible skeptics? It is. It is. It's a hundred percent why I feel like there are so many people who that I've interacted with that I've talked to, or people that I even just read things online that just most of what they say about why they don't believe comes not because they have a problem with like the Bible itself, but they have a problem with the way that people have interpreted or used the Bible or misinterpreted or misused the Bible. And I, I'm just convinced that if these folks myself included back in the day, if they could just see that there is another way that there is a path forward and you don't have to buy a lot of the assumptions that are, that are framed in a certain way, there's another way to approach this. I'm I'm convinced that it would actually send people on a new journey. And so I want people to experience that. And I, frankly, I don't know what the class will be like. I don't know if it'll be a dozen people or hundreds, but like, I'm, I'm ready to just begin the journey with people, hear the questions. And the, the mm. beautiful thing about what Grace Church is, I think, is that we are willing to go there and ask the hard questions and there's nothing off limits. Like I'm not, there's not a single question I'm hoping nobody asks, you know, you know, I'm not going into that class. Like I said, that sounds like a challenge. Are you challenging me? Bring it on. Yes. Bring it on. <laughs> I, I, not because I have the answers, but because like it's either maybe I have wrestled I through it. I am not infallible. <laughs> maybe I've wrestled through it and I can maybe talk about what I've learned or how I've thought about it. Or I don't know the answer. And great, another thing to explore together and and help strengthen all of our faith if if we can go pursuing that answer. So like I'm not there's nothing I'm mm. I'm nervous that people will ask. Would you say it would be a good um not only just for those that are in that process, but those that are living life with people in that process, like Absolutely. for somebody j- just mm-hmm. to understand where somebody in their life might be coming from and maybe yeah. some good tools to start conversation in a healthy way. Yeah. I, my only concern, and it's not a bad, I, I hope this happens, but my only concern is that for some folks, it may introduce concepts that they hadn't take, they have not yet thought about mm-hmm. if they're not people who are particularly right. skeptical. Sure. And I don't want to send people on this tailspin mm. of having to like deconstruct. So I'm hopeful that what I can offer is not just the questions that they've never asked before, but also some approaches to it that will kind of bridge the gap between perhaps yeah. the deconstruct. Maybe I can save people some of the having deconstruction, through, you yeah, know, right. or you can write, uh, Brian Zond has a book out. Uh, he's a pastor, great writer, very philosophical. I love his writing. He wrote a book, uh, called when everything's on fire. And he says too often, we, we just want to tear down the entire house. Sometimes we need to do some remodeling room by room, but you still live in the house while you're remodeling. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm hopeful for those folks. That's if, good. if there is some deconstruction that happens, it can be some light remodeling and not tearing down right. the house to the studs. So, yeah. Yeah. My faith needs a new bathroom sink. Ooh, yeah. Maybe like a nice, like live edge slab with a yeah. recessed I'd, I'd like sink. a, 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 a bathroom about. floor Something that's heated. A, bath, a heated <laughs> bathroom, bathroom floor. Can you imagine how glorious that would be, Marin? We're cold all the time. That would have been great when I was passed out on my bathroom floor, rolling out my muscles after the first night. <laughs> of, of the show. show. 
But can you imagine <laughs> the winter stepping out of the shower and your oh, tile is warm? Yeah. That's what I yeah. want in my new reconstructed house. <laughs> what what is the faith version Jesus of a heated it. bathroom floor? I, I hope don't know. Jesus gives that to me. <laughs> in your mansion. Yes. Very awesome message. Yes, Thank it was you. so good. So well, good. I, again, I, I wish I could have just gone on and on. There's so much cool stuff in this story. It should have taken, we should have taken two weeks to do it now that I look back on it, but whatever. We're just, we're trying to get through the gospel of John. So. I feel like that with the whole, every message so far, yeah. like, yeah, that's just so yeah. rich. Every story, every piece of, of the book of John, I think you could camp out on for, yeah. you could do a whole yeah. skeptic series just on this yeah. story. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. And I think, Oh, go ahead. No, like I said last week, seeing the connection from John three now to John four, seeing the connection from John four, dear woman, back to Two, yeah. John two, dear woman, yeah. we're getting to put this together now as a church and yeah. kind of make these connections through this gospel. That's, That's been really, really cool. Really cool. Yeah. yeah. Can it I is. tell you a fun fact? I think I've actually mentioned this to you guys. I just, it cracks me up every time I read this passage or it, it happens. I, I think about verse 32 all the time. My dog Cleo, uh, is just n- never interested in the food that we give her. Like she eats it every day, but she's just, when we put it out, you know, some dogs go crazy. They eat their food instantly. Yeah. You have to actually like, try to find ways to slow it down. But she comes in after being outside and she's been getting into the, the pig food. She's eating some chicken scratch. She's, <laughs> she's over at the neighbor's house. He's giving her these massive treats. She's doing all this stuff. Uh, sometimes she'll grab stuff off the counter when we're not looking like, so she, and so when I'm like, baby, don't you want to eat food? Cleo, come on. Don't you want to eat your dinner? And she, in my mind, she always looks at me and says, I have food that you know nothing about. <laughs> <laughs> so I think about this message all the time. Cause That's I'm just hilarious. like, <laughs> do the pigs ever get angry? With her for eating. They should. They're usually so focused on just keeping the food that, that they're eating. Like literally she's such a jerk. I'll give them like cucumbers and they're so excited. The pigs are like literally just like overjoyed to eat anything. She'll reach her head in there and grab one of their cucumber halves and run away with it. I'm like, you're not even going to eat that. Right. You're, you're just, just going to like mean. throw it out yeah, there. Yeah. You're just kind of taunting. <laughs> we found, I didn't realize there's a half of a pumpkin sitting on our front porch or that like in the, in the bushes there. that she had taken from the pigs when we gave her pumpkins in the fall. So. <laughs> and she hit it. And she in hit the it. Bushes. Yeah. It's She's hers. smart. Anyway. She is smart. I have food that you well, know nothing about. <laughs> <laughs> where are we going from here? Very. So uh, where exactly are we going? It is going, we're going, we're actually skipping to John six. Wow. Uh, starting verse 22. So unfortunately we have to skip four, some good four stuff. Four and five. They, they got. Yeah. We're going to mention, yeah, Jesus heals the lame man. We're not going to be able to talk about that. We're going to talk about <laughs> Jesus. Don't tell us what we're not talking about. No, That's, no, no. It's all I'm good. Uh, talk about Jesus, the bread of life. And it is yet another teaching of Jesus that is a little controversial and people don't necessarily, they're not exactly down with it. So that's what we'll talk about this The bread of weekend. life. Yeah. When Desi was little and in a Lutheran school and having weekly scripture memorization assignments. This was one of them. And I will never forget. She told me, we have a new scripture we're learning today. I am the life of bread. <laughs> <laughs> I will always think of that that's every adorable. time I hear that. That's adorable. So that's where we're going next. Uh, Amy, thank you for being here. Oh, so fun. It's awesome having you here. Thanks for having me. Marin. will you please send us out? I sure will as soon as I get to bank one and press this red button. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday.